Hey, Phil. Hey, Laurie. Welcome, listeners, to What We've Been Watching. We're back with two reviews each. Phil, what are your two this week? This week, I'm going to review two R films. I'm not, not rated R, but in fact, just starting with the letter R. I slightly regret saying that now. I'm going to do Ronaldo, the documentary, Cristiano Ronaldo's uh, self-made film about himself. And then <laughs> also Remember the Titans, starring Denzel Washington, and probably a few other familiar faces. Way to go. Nice theme, by the way. We haven't had one of Phil's themes for a while. <laughs> You're back with a bang. I mean, it's that's like such a Sesame challenging Street. theme. The letter R. R. <laughs> Uh, I don't have a theme for mine. I've seen Prometheus again recently, the Alien prequel, and I'll also do The Holiday. A, no, there's, uh, there's, a, there's a theme there. There's an alien in that film. Is there? Yeah, Cameron Giaz pretty much. Oh, <laughs> Phil. That's, oh, that's, Phil. That's a, that's a horrible joke. It isn't a very nice one. I'm not very honest. funny at the moment, sorry. This is the you know slightly divisive Christmas movie that I saw again this festive period, so we'll see how it uh, held up. Remember, you can keep in touch on superbellybros at gmail.com or at superbellybros on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. And Phil, you know what? Actually, one thing I want to say right now is that next week I want us to do the four films that someone suggested we do a long time ago. Are you game for this? Yes. What were those films? It was from Alistair Brown who tweeted us, Phil, actually in November. Goodness me. Sorry, Alistair. <laughs> it's been busy. busy, busy it busy, has. Busy, it busy. has. This is why I want to get on top of it. And he says, here's a good mix for your next What We've Been Watching. Buried, Ryan Reynolds' film. Seen it. License to Kill 007, I've seen that one. Temple of Doom, I think we've both seen that. I actually never have. Are you ever really? I've seen bits of it, never watched it all the well, way that's through. that's for me then. And then Steve Jobs. Which I have seen. There we go. So Alistair, I'm setting us all out right now at the beginning of this week's episode. Next week, we are going to do those four films. Or do you want to swap it around so we all see the ones which we haven't seen? You could do that. It doesn't matter. But either way, those are the films that will be on what we've been watching next week. Great. So something to look forward to, Alistair and everyone else. And just a reassurance that if you get in touch with us and say, can you do these films? We'll never forget it. It just might take us three, four months (laughs) to get there. It depends on busyness. Anyway, let's kick off with these films. I reckon it's your turn first this week, Phil. Remember the Titans or Ronaldo? Why don't you start with Ronaldo? Because I sense that you prefer Remember the Titans. Let's get the bad out of the way. Okay, Ronaldo. It was so much better than everybody. An astonishing Cristiano Ronaldo. Tell me who's the best player in the world. Me. (laughs) Until January. Winning, that's the most important to me. It's as simple as that. The most important is friends and family. I knew it, I was injured. But I needed to be here. My team needed me. He doesn't know what it means to lose. Nothing is impossible, my friend. I have what I have because I sacrifice a lot. Some people hate me. Some people love me. Fui feito para ser o melhor. Isso faz parte da minha maneira de viver a vida. Eu você guarda redes, pai, ok? Guarda redes, estás a brincar, ok? Oh, stirring stuff. Uh, just so you know, listeners, uh, some of the Portuguese in there, obviously, we couldn't translate. A lot of that is to do with his family. Sometimes it's his mum talking or his son. And those last lines there were Ronaldo saying, I was made to be the best. That's how I live my life. And then right at the end, it's him and his son. His son says, I'm going to be a goalkeeper one day. And Ronaldo says, a goalkeeper? Seriously? 
<laughs> so this film is the one of the weirdest films I've ever seen. It is a documentary, but a documentary unlike any other, because in in one sense, it isn't a documentary at all. It's a propaganda piece for Ronaldo. Ronaldo financed this film. He said, I want to make a documentary about myself because I'm great. And he got final say on the cuts and, and edits and things and, and what things were included and what things weren't. And it makes for a very unique, very bizarre experience watching this film, but not a totally terrible one. Okay. But it, it is a terrible documentary. I think I should say that right up front because one thing with a documentary, which is undoubtable, is that the reason why you're watching it is because you want insight into something. And yet here is the possibly one of the most well-known figures on the planet and possibly one of the most rigorous PR'd branded persons ever. So he, he completely controls how people see him. And now he's releasing a documentary, which is meant to be insight, giving insight into his life, his private life. And yet it's entirely what he wants you to see. Of course, yeah. Keep and the image so up. It's, it's an absolute paradox of in, intention. But by the just sheer nature of a documentary and the fact that you're recording somebody's personal life, some things you can't really control and you can't really... You can't really stop the things which you don't even mean to say. Well, and in, in, as you say, if Ronaldo himself is sort of in his own world here, then even if he's got final cut, there's a sense in which he can't be self-aware to the point of what the audience will see. He might have see a scene in that documentary and think, yeah, that shows me really looking awesome. But the rest of the world might say, this guy is really weird. And it, it's entirely that, Laurie. It's, it's reading between the lines of what things are being shown and why. That's where the documentary is really interesting. Cool, that sounds brilliant to me. I mean. <laughs> Essentially, this is following Ronaldo as he has a kind of landmark season with Real Madrid. He is pursuing the Ballon d'Or. Ballon d'Or. Ballon d'Or. Yeah. And um, he's constantly dealing with that pressure to perform. And that question of, is he the best footballer in the world or is uh, Lionel Messi actually, in fact, the the real player who deserves oh, it? I think a rivalry it's, for the ages. It now. is quite interesting looking at the two of them because I think uh, Messi is seen as the bit of the underdog. He's a smaller guy. He's not, he's not sort of handsome in the traditional sense. He's just an average sort of bloke. He's very good at football. Ronaldo appears to have it all. He's tall, muscular, tanned, good-looking, always gets the girls. He's a big media guy, isn't he? Exactly, and he's got his own perfume and he does the Emporio Armani ads with his little tighty whities on and all that sort of <laughs> stuff. So the things which I thought were frustrating about the film is it is very much him facing the camera. He knows the camera is there, he's engaging with the camera, and you are seeing the things that he wants you to see. And that that is also the types of things that it shows. So it shows him talking with his family and it shows him in his home life with his son. He His son is a big part of the documentary and probably where the most interest is because his son, I don't know if you're aware about this, there's some sort of controversy about how he came to have a son. Right. Because his mother, his son's mother is not really in the picture. Okay. And there's been allegations that it was in fact a a paid person who Ronaldo, Ronaldo wanted a child and so paid somebody to Seriously? have his child and then leave him just with a child. So Crikey. he wanted a kid without the mother, basically. I take it those allegations don't surface in the dock. No, they don't. But <laughs> it is weird because there's this kid walking around in Ronaldo's life who Ronaldo's kind of involved with because it's his son, but also seems to be a bit... Just there's there's a weird. He's constantly trying to reinforce the idea that he's a good father, and yet every single way that he tries to show it, it just looks a bit awkward and a bit oh, no. designed and know, a bit. I have seen an, an early scene in the documentary. It's him having breakfast with his son, and it, it feels like the kid is an actor. It's really <laughs> odd. I don't quite know where to, where 
that comes across, but it really does, doesn't it? I mean, one of the things which he is shown to show how he's bonding with his son is they're walking into his his car garage. And he says, which, which one is missing? Tell me which one is missing. And the boy's <laughs> really? like, um, the Lamborghini. And he's like, ah, oh, well done. Ha, ha, That's ha. So <laughs> weird. <laughs> and the other, the other bits are when Ronaldo's just talking about his life and it becomes this sort of bizarrely sad tragedy, even though he's possibly one of the most successful people in the world. Yeah. Because he talks about like, oh, it's, it's great. I, I, I have this house and I get to sleep when I want and I go swimming when I want. And it's like, yeah, she says that. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, I think most people on the planet can do that. And it seems like you're just incredibly alone. He seems unbelievably isolated. Really? And the people who are closest to him are his family, which is fine, and his agent. And it's weird because as an outsider, you, you feel like you're watching this agent sell himself to Ronaldo oh, and how, horrible, how important his agent is to Ronaldo and how he says, oh, he's like a son to me or a brother. or And it, you just feel like you're watching this guy dupe the biggest footballer in the world. Do you think it comes across that way? It does feel like that. It, not entirely, but that's the thing. It's kind of like you feel it on the edges of the film, whereas the film is definitely trying to present how, how much love there is for Ronaldo, how, how well supported he is and how his life is great. And he's just a simple guy with loads of cars and and a nice sort of weird house that is kind of on its own. And he's sort of trapped in a castle. (laughs) That is so weird, isn't it? It's like the ruler uh, who's on the the highest peak and all the commoners uh, beneath the peak. And he he loves them as much as he's able to, seeing them from a very great distance. You mean that kind of thing? Yeah, it's very very weird. And you see his just obsession with wanting the reputation. He wants to be the best. Well, that's because that's his product, isn't he? he? His brand is what gets him the cash. And I'm sure that's what's reinforced to him day after day in his training sessions and by his agent as well. Yeah. But I, 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 as I said kind of earlier, it's kind of tragic. And I do feel a little bit of sympathy for the guy because he just seems to be lost in his own fake reality he doesn't seem like he's part of this world i have to say phil you're saying it's a bad documentary but it's clearly moved you one question i've got for you from other people who might consider watching it is it's obviously very football dominated a lot of people hate football have no interest in it could someone who's not interested in that find something of value in this um i i think probably not because i think if you have knowledge of what he's his actual person personality is and his reputation is in in a footballing context, I think that enables you then to look beyond what he's presenting right. and see something. Um, but I think somebody who's not really aware of Ronaldo, whatever it is, would just find it a bit of a weird. It's like a commercial for him, right? Um, but having having said that, it there are just some little oddities that it, the film does highlight. I really liked actually bizarrely the end credits, partly because it's got a great song by Disclosure, which I enjoyed, um, which is now on my iPod. What, are they sponsoring you or something? <laughs> no, I just really liked it. <laughs> it what it what it is is. The credits just have loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of pictures of Ronaldo with a fan. And it just shows how much of himself is part of somebody else's life. That is interesting. And actually, there was a, a YouTube clip I saw, which is not related to the film, but it was ha- whether or not um, Cristiano Ronaldo could have a cup of coffee. And he goes to a cafe in like Spain or whatever it is. And he orders the coffee. And within like, he takes like, he tries to take a sip and immediately somebody comes up and says, oh, can I get a photo? Wow. And, and I think he managed to get two sips of his coffee and he had to take 17 photos in that span because people, he's just that massive of a star. And I guess it shows the distortion of his reality, this documentary, and it yeah, gives you yeah. a window into the world that he is living in. I've got to say, Phil, it sounds fascinating to me. But it is an awful documentary because you're not really seeing 
him directly. You're seeing what he thinks of himself. Final note, and then uh, we'll move on. But uh, it says it's got the producers, or in quotes anyway, the team behind Amy and Senna, two massively lauded and praised documentaries. Uh, yeah, it doesn't Ignore mean anything. That. That's just the style of the movie, isn't it? Yeah, the team. What does that mean? So, in other words, you don't, you can't see any similarities. Not at all. Okay, those fine, those fine. documentaries are fantastic documentaries because they actually genuinely put you inside their world in a completely almost awkward way because it gives you insights into the really private personal moments. So that you actually you get to see what it's like being them. This documentary isn't really really trying to do that it's trying it's to sell more, you an idea of what ronaldo is like but and yeah it is fascinating to read between the lines as they're presented yes okay so what's the grade great for me i think as a film like a like a b uh as a documentary it's like a like an e and f like seriously just, is that bad it's just not a documentary it doesn't i don't think it can be classed as that well there we go listeners let us know if you've seen that or and agree or disagree with phil laurie what's up next why don't i do prometheus a king has his reign Ancient civilizations that were separated by centuries, and yet this same pictogram was discovered in every one of them. They're smiling. I think they want us to come and find them. We're all here because of a map you two kids found in a cave. Not a map, an invitation. From whom? Please tell me you can read that. Whatever that probe is picking up, it's reading life form. What do you mean a life form? Oh, the head. They're changing. Changing into what? It's moving. These things moving. What is that? That is a ship. They're leaving. To go where? Earth. We were so wrong. Take us home. If you don't stop it, they won't get it home to go back to. Why is that door open? Well, Phil, we've kind of ruined what we're about to say by chatting the entire time that that trailer was on. <laughs> so you already kind of know what I think, and I certainly know what you think. I, well, I don't know. I've got strong opinions about this film. It's I don't not think... going to be great for the listeners to listen to, is it? Well, I don't know. Well, let's wait and see. This is Ridley Scott finally returning to a franchise that is much beloved by people all over the world. Alien was 1979, I think, and caused a massive shockwave and a stir. A sci-fi horror movie in space no one can hear you scream. Classic. And I love that film. Then, what's his name? James Cameron took over, did Aliens, which was more an action film, really, a bit more Terminatory, to be honest, which makes sense, given it's him. Then Alien 3, which was terrible. Uh, we did that before. It was David Finch's first film. And then you had other things creeping in, like Alien vs. Predator, various different things. Alien Resurrection, that was there as They're well. sort of these it? bizarre, odd projects. They, they were never, really, never yeah. really managed to get any of the magic back. So Ridley Scott turned up and came back and said, look, I'm going to nail this. We're going to bring it back. It has echoes of soft reboot about it, given the new phase of Hollywood that we're in. Let's get a whole new generation reinterested in Alien. But I think for all the film's flaws, and there are flaws, it shows ambition, 
and you can't hide little sparks of Ridley Scott's quality. So the basic premise, uh, as you kind of might have picked up from the atmospheric trailer there, is they're after a race called the Engineers that they believe might be the origin of life, human life. So a team of scientists and some company people head to this planet that they've identified uh, as a possible place of origin for these engineers to try and discover the meaning of life, the existence of life. And the reason why it's called Prometheus is because... It's the name of their ship, of course. Charlize Theron plays a sort of company person who is, I guess is... The company funds this space project, so she's kind of the overseer manager. I don't really know what the phrase is because she's not the captain, but she keeps an eye on everybody. Then Idris Elba turning up. I'd forgotten that he was in this film. It's the actual ship's captain, but I guess he's more of just a transporter than anything else. Then you've got various crew members, the most key of which are Numi or Nomi Rapace or Rapace. I don't know how to pronounce her name, Swedish Rapace, actress. I think it is, yeah. And she's from The Girl with the Dragon tattoo yeah the original swedish versions of the film and she plays dr shaw who is the sort of idealistic heart of this expedition she really believes that they're going to find something amazing and then you've got the again one of these incredible movie doppelgangers you have logan marshall green playing charlie holloway who literally is tom hardy he's identical to tom hardy it's quite astonishing but with you know he's an american guy and uh, he and dr shaw sort of team up together with this they appear to have a vaguely romantic relationship as well they have a lot invested in this mission so they land they head to the signal they start exploring the ship they find weird things particularly they find evidence that the engineers may have once been there but as the mounting skeletons and evidence of conflict uh, appears to show, they got mysteriously exterminated while they were fleeing something. You missed that one character, by the way. Oh, tell me. David, the android yes. played by Michael Fassbender. Sorry, and I shouldn't leave him out. That's right. Every alien film has an android in it. It's just one of those things. Uh, and they're often very British. We had Ian Holm, of course, in the original Alien, Bilbo Baggins, <laughs> who uh, ended up spurting milk at some point. Do you remember that? One of the strange things. White blood, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I think it is actually milk. It's very strange. And Michael Fassbender is perfectly cast to play this very humanoid android. His sort of chiselled face and excellently blonde hair. Didn't you think he looked great with blonde hair? Perfectly sort of cre- swept to the side. A bit yeah. like Niles out of uh, <laughs> Frasier. Niles? Yeah, exactly. And his sort of cold demeanour and steely exterior is just perfect. He, it's one of the best things I've ever seen him do, even though it's a fairly small role and quite a straightforward one. He's perfect for it. And he really holds the eye when he's on screen. But anyway, listeners, with all that set up, obviously things start going wrong. And lots of double crosses come into play. Various motives for the expedition begin to emerge, including Guy Pierce as a weird old man, <laughs> who is the person who, the head of this company who's funding the expedition, gives him a weird motivational video at one point. Lots of things start to go wrong. People start to die. Various alien organisms start to appear. And it carries all the sort of classic alien thrills and spills that you might expect. There's things bursting out of people. There's deformations. There's acid burning away. There's snake-like monsters. Yeah, yeah. There's sort of weird, uh, dare I say, sort of sexual, not innuendos, but kind of referencing, which is all part of it, as, you know, grotesque as you might find it. That There's that clever design to the creatures, which reminds you of, you know, like stamens in plants, if I put it that way. So it's all very clever. And the symbology is there. The imagery is there. The major issue with this film is that it wastes all its atmospheric input, it wastes the mounting tension, it wastes the story and all the ideas just with either it's bad editing or it's a terrible screenplay because roughly halfway into the film when things start going wrong, characters just start making really weird decisions and really odd conclusions. That is the the fatal flaw. That's the one which lots of people make jokes about because you've got a guy who's a invested in creatures and things like that 
who's terrified of something which is dead. But then yeah. when he sees an alien creature, he's like, oh, hey, little buddy. Yeah, this like, literally looks like a cobra about to spit acid in <laughs> And he's face. like, hey, 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 hey. And then also you've got the guy who's the like cartographer, the map guy, and they get lost. <laughs> it's just, it's almost like this weird sort of joke version of a, of, of a movie play where everything that you'd expect to happen is inversed. Yeah, and I, it's a real disappointment, actually. And I mean, even more than that, it's the bigger things in the plot, the, you know, the, the reveals and the sort of unravelling mystery makes no sense at all because people don't respond to it in a way that is consistent with the build-up. It feels like the film should have been four hours long and then you would have had time for people to come to those conclusions. And there are various things that happen that don't appear to even be explained why they took place. And none more so than, and I don't think this is a spoiler because for an alien prequel, you know the alien's got to appear at some point. But the way the alien appears, like if you just follow the inception of that plot point to its end not one part of it makes any sense yeah. like how why did it start how did it start why them why did they end up doing that why did they bring her with them do you know what i mean like none of none of that makes any sense at all and yet i can't totally hate it because the production's great ridley scott is a master of atmosphere there are some iconic moments in it i think some that are nicely controversial like i'm sure you may have heard that there is uh, essentially an alien cesarean at one point self cesarean at one point which is pretty remarkable when you think about it it's, it's a ho- very odd idea for a scene isn't it in a it movie it is but that's the kind of thing that needs to be in a film like this that pushes the boundaries of taste because it's supposed to be a horror but it doesn't really work out that way. And I think Charlize Theron is very weak, actually. I was really disappointed by her. She's a bit of a nothing character. And I think, for me, Prometheus, I really enjoy this film. I think it's... I kind of don't think it's a well-made film, but I think there's so much good in it. I disagree. It. I think it's well-made. I think it's just... Sorry, yeah. That's terribly structured. There's loads of good things in it, but it doesn't mesh... It doesn't equal. The equation isn't balanced. Something's something gone wrong. Off, you I feel like... You're sifting maybe... through the debris, like, where where was this fire started? But I think the major problem is that it feels like two hours of the film have been cut out, or two hours of the screenplay, and they just kept in all the build-up, and then put in all the action points. A lot of people will point the blame at one particular person who's involved in the writing and ideas. Do you know who that is? No. It's Damon Lindelof or whatever. I'll tell you one show that he was involved in. It was Lost. Oh, really? Which says so much, doesn't it? Because it's classic. Really good ideas, promise, and then where's where's the, the, the resounding, satisfying conclusion to those ideas and questions? And this film is all about raising questions, but then no real satisfying ending or, or a re- resolution to those arcs. Yeah, I think that's true. Although there are resolutions, it just doesn't feel like they make any sense to what has preceded it. And I don't know. They set up well for a sequel. And of course, Alien Covenant, it's announced, is going to be a sequel to Prometheus. I don't think Ridley Scott took very kindly to the negative reception it got. So I'll be fascinated to see what he can do with this. You know, despite all the criticism, as you point out, it gets from fans. Everyone is going to go and watch it, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I think this movie looks incredible. It's got great design throughout. It's just got some silly story points. So there we go. I mean, I'm not really adding anything new to what people have said about it before, but it is enjoyable. It's just a really odd piece of filmmaking where everyone who watches it will know that something has gone wrong, but it's hard to pinpoint exactly where. I, I think it is that too much got cut out from the screenplay and it's just disjointed, uh, unevenly balanced and utterly confusing and nonplussing. So for me, Prometheus, it gets, uh, I think it gets a, 
B minus. Yeah. Oh, too low, too low. I too think low, no. Too I low. think that's right because I was getting ready in my head. I was already writing the blog article which said redeeming Prometheus or something like that. Why this is awesome. <laughs> and you couldn't do it. No, and I couldn't. I genuinely couldn't because by the end I thought no, no, this just doesn't make any sense anymore. It really doesn't. So yeah, B minus. I just think it's so enjoyable. I think you'll have a good time watching it. It doesn't have to be a perfect film mm. to have good fun. Well, listeners, tell us what you think as ever at Super Betty Bros on Twitter. We say this after every film review these days. SuperBellyBros at gmail.com. Because we want the emails. Once we get the, <laughs> once we get the emails, we'll be fine. We'll be we'll be start saying, oh no, don't send us any emails. That's true, what we true. want. Well, we do have a couple of tweets and emails, but I think what I might do this week is hold them over to next week when we don't have as much to say on the films because we've already been going on for a little while. So do you want to just go straight into your second film? Yes. Remember the Titans. You smile. Why are you smiling? Football's fun. You think football is fun? Yes. No. No? Certainly. Uh... It was fun. Not anymore, though, is it? Is it? No, not by No, now. it's not fun anymore. No. Not even a little bit. Zero fun, sir. All right. Coach Boone's school board made the decision to put you on my staff. I did not hire you. Well, I came up here to coach you. I didn't ask to be assigned to your staff, so I guess we're both in a situation we don't want to be in. If the game will play like that, we'll lose every game. But I can guarantee you this, Coach. I come to win. We will be perfect in every aspect of the game. Get up, boy, get up, get up, get up. We're still weak on the left side. We're not weak on the left side. It's not the problem. What is the problem? I don't need you up on my face all the time. I don't care if you like each other or not, but you will respect each other. I want you to tell me something about one of your teammates. I'm rooming with Blue, sir. He wears those leopard-spotted underwear, bikini style, sir. Okay, maybe somebody who's not your woman. Each one of you will spend time every day with a different teammate. Huh? Does the term cruel and unusual punishment mean anything to you? If you lose a game, they'll fire you. One game, just like that. Brother, don't you know me and your mama went out on the town last night. What did you say? What happened to you? Man, I just gave your mama a piggyback ride and she weighs twice as much as I do. What's going on? We wanted to let you know we were going to warm up a little different tonight. We are the Ain't no mountain high, ain't no valley low. We're going to let these people know who's going to win state, right? Right. Right. Greek mythology, the Titans were greater even than the gods. We're going to change the way we run. They ruled their universe with absolute power. We're going to change the way we block. Well, that football field out there tonight, that's our universe. We're going to change the way we win. You don't let anything, nothing, come between us. We are teams. USA, <laughs> USA, <laughs> not USA. Titans, Titans, defence, defence, all that stuff. Listeners, I'm going to take you on a little bit of a a picturesque journey. Imagine the scene. I'm lounging about when I was about 15, 16 years old. A young Philip Bailey. A young Philip Bailey. And it's it's a sunny Sunday afternoon and a movie just is on television. I have no idea what it is. It's right at the beginning. I just literally flicked on the TV and it's like, oh, here's the credits. And for whatever reason, I was too lazy to get up and turn off, too lazy to change the channel. But what did I discover? I, <laughs> I discovered <laughs> Remember the Titans. You absolutely love this film. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I'm a, an American football fan, but I think this is a great movie. It is one of the perfect Sunday afternoon movies. That's exactly the right place and time to watch it. Yes, you're right. Because this film tells the story 
kind of based on a true story of a school team, the Titans, as they are forced to desegregate. It's in it's in sort of the South. I think it's Alabama, and you've got a white team which has been quite successful, and suddenly the schools are mixing. The the all these young black guys have come into the school. And with that is this forced decision that a, a black coach, a black head coach of the team would come into play. But there's already a white coach there. Mm. And naturally, there's tension in the in the South with, with all this sort of thing going on. And they've got to play football in this community, which is... Football's a big deal, in high, yeah, in, yeah, yeah. Uh, even on the high school level in America. It really is. If you haven't seen Friday Night Lights, that's also a good show to watch. It's got Denzel Washington as the main guy. He's the head coach, Coach Boom. He's the main guy and he is classic Denzel Washington. Denzel Washington is firing all all cylinders. Often when I do an impression of Denzel Washington. <laughs> Which is often, listeners, I can tell you. <laughs> Bizarrely, it is. <laughs> you know what you got to do. Um, it is a scene in this movie where he tells off the all-American star of this football team. I think he's a defensive tackle or something like that. But he's this big white guy who thinks he's going to show this new coach, this new black coach, his position. And he's like, yeah, yeah. we're all right. We're going to get on this bus. All the white guys are going on this bus. All the black guys are going on this bus. And uh, Denzel Washington tears him up in his classic style. He sort of fast talks him into looking like a fool. And I think there might have even been a little bit of that in the trailer. And it's just a great, great performance from Denzel Washington. He really drives the film. And what is weird about this film is it's full, literally full of these actors who you will see in other roles, but in the early days. This is from 2000, so now 16 years old. I know. Ryan Gosling's in it. I know. As like a bit part. So that was fun. And he's, he's kind of this country yokel singing to some country music with his big floppy blonde hair. Straight out of, what is it? He was in Disney. What, what is that called? The Mickey Mouse Club. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So Ryan Gosling's in it. You've got Turk from Scrubs is in it. You've got the, not Stringer Bell, but the other one from The Wire, Lucius. That's his character's name. He's the girl, other guys in the team. It's got some really nice performances and there's a really nice heart to it. And basically, you're watching this these group of ragtag guys who don't get on and have all this tension suddenly start forming a little bit of a bond. Overcome a the racial barrier, Phil, come on. Overcome the racial barrier, but the community hasn't overcome that racial barrier. So then you have these teammates who like each other, but they're dealing with a, a community that doesn't want them to be getting on. It doesn't want them to be making, being successful. They don't want this, this little scheme, this desegregated team to do well. But somehow or other... Denzel's going to make sure that these guys remember the Titans. <laughs> oh, any, well, I mean, I don't really know what to ask you because you've just been beaming from ear to ear. I know, I haven't, I haven't really said it very well, but well, I, just, <laughs> I just think this film's great. The thing is with this film, listeners, is that I didn't see it on that magic Sunday afternoon that Phil's describing. I have Do you not seen like it, it since. No, I enjoy it. I think it's perfectly good, but it's a classic sort of underdog sports story. There are so many films made in this vein. Even like The Mighty Ducks is kind of like this, isn't it? Yeah, it's, true. The, the, the major thing that's unique about this film is really powerful about it is the way that it deals with race segregation and communities overcoming those problems together. And I really like it because it's honest about what that used to be like. You know, it shows people who really were like bigots and like horribly racist in their attitudes, but it shows those same people learning and overcoming those things. So it's a film that isn't interested in putting people in their boxes. It's a film that is interested in exploring humanity and finding common ground and working together to you know, help people embrace uh, the new world. That's great, isn't it? And, and so that makes it very relevant for today. 
the stuff I'm not so keen on is that uh, it's a new word I've been using a lot recently, Phil. Histrionics. Do you know what that is? What's histrionics? So it's a line that is overly affected to build a sense of emotion. And I, yeah, I and think actually, the script is full of cliches and, and like warm brass, and it's so uber American in its attempt to try. It almost makes it feel like a military film. Do you know what I mean? Mm, I mean, it's funny that you mentioned that because one of the criticisms of this film, and the thing is, it shouldn't really have this criticism because it's not really about that. It's not trying to be this sort of super serious, dramatic, honest thing. It's just trying to tell a good story, but it's based on a true story and apparently it's very loosely based. And actually some of the things it presents as if it were true, like that this was the only school that was having to desegregate isn't actually reflective of the time. And actually there was, it wasn't as, it wasn't quite like they're portraying it, but I think it's a good film, a really fun film for all the family. Don't worry if you don't know anything about football, American football, because I didn't at the time and now I love it. So if anything, it's just going to, Make you a wider, more informed reader. Of it's so life. it's so warm-hearted. It's very hard not to enjoy the film. I feel like I haven't done the best job because I really enjoy this film. So thank you very much for giving a little bit of critical analysis to the film, Laurie. <laughs> you back me up. You are a bit blindsided with this one. I, I know, but I just, love, I just think love, it's love, really love, great, love, love, and there's some really, really nice moments. It's a lot of fun. It's good uh, humor as well. Like there's some the camaraderie and the charisma between the team is pretty convincing, isn't it? Yeah, and it, it's just nice seeing people get on and like grow in friendship so for me i think this is listeners take this grade with a pinch of salt i'm gonna give this film an a because i love it Uh, but probably realistically it's not that but i don't care like i said i think it's very hard not to enjoy the movie so nice work on to another film that i guess it's really hard not to enjoy should i do the holiday (laughs) yeah here we go the holiday we might as well be honest with each other just tell me did you sleep with her okay i slept with her you happy did you say, am I happy? You gotta be. Oh, oh God, here he comes. Oh, Jasper. What's the story with you two anyway? I'm head over heels, you know. Everybody, may I introduce the newly engaged Jasper Blue? I hate my horrible life. Iris and Amanda are in exactly the same place. Where do I want to go by myself? Depressed at Christmas. Just 6,000 miles apart. Home exchange. We switch houses, cars, everything. Bingo. I need you to answer this. Are there any men in your town? Perfect. We're on our way to New This Christmas. I'm here. I'm here. As one door closes. That'll be interesting. Another one opens. Oh. Hello. I'm Miles. I'm Grant. I was his brother. Do you want some company? Yeah, love some. Excuse me? Okay, sorry about that. Boob grace. (laughs) That was accidental. You know, Graham, I just broke up with someone. And considering that you showed up and you're insanely good looking and probably won't remember me anyway, I'm thinking we should have sex. If you want. Is that a trick question? Seems I had it all wrong. It turns out you'll go somewhere new and meet people who make you feel worthwhile again. It's Christmas Eve and we are going to celebrate being young and being alive. Iris, hi, it's Amanda. Can you hold on for a sec? Sorry, that was Amanda. Find out how she is. Can you tell him I'm good? How's she doing? What's he been up to? Hold, please. I can't believe that you have had sex with the woman staying in my house. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh man, it's so sickly sweet. I can already feel the gag reflex. I already feel like 
I can read the the emails that people are going to write after your review. <laughs> well, I haven't done anything yet. I haven't said anything yet. Listeners, The Holiday is one of those films I think occupies a special place in the hearts of many a person. It's Cameron Diaz as um, a hotshot trailer executive who really knows how to get the best out of trailers. What is it she says again? Make it more red, like a happy red. I mean, you feel... <laughs> That's how you that's get how the big you make bucks. Trailers. They literally say that's why you make the big bucks. And the guy out of the office, what's his John name? John Krasinski. There, in like so. the smallest role ever. <laughs> I know. It's so weird. Uh, so she gets stressed out because her boyfriend, Ed Burns, Mr. Punchable Face 2008. Or he was it is. in Saving Private Ryan, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think he's in 40 uh, something dresses. What's he's that barely film in this again? film. He's 27 remember. dresses. But he's 27 barely in this dresses. film. So we'll let's talk about him. Yeah, but the point is, he's her husband, I think. And he cheats on her. She gets annoyed with him. She can't cry. That's part of her character. And so what does she do to get away from it all? She goes onto a website, a house swapping website, and looks for somewhere where she can just escape and finds a perfect, I mean, an amazingly perfect, picturesque cottage in Little England, because that's what England is like, Phil. (laughs) Amazing, beautiful cottages. And... That cottage happens to belong to Kate Winslet. Everyone knows this. I don't know why I'm spending so long on it. Uh, who's also stressed out because she's hopelessly in love with a journalist who works with her at the Daily Telegraph. Film. Rufus it would be, it Sewell. Would, it would be The Guardian <laughs> today mm. if they remade this film. Uh, and yeah, Rufus Sewell not playing, well, kind of playing a bit of a cad and a bounder, but also supposed to be like Count a Count Adamar, basically, but modern. <laughs> I know, he is, isn't he? Ulrich, Ulrich, Ulrich. We can't keep doing this, man. That's the second time we've referenced Night's Tale. Yeah. Tale. <laughs> like a really brilliant film that's why <laughs> sorry <laughs> Ulrich, I mean, Ulrich, Ulrich. <laughs> oh sorry listeners uh yeah and he keeps on sort of leading her on they used to go out but they're not anymore but he keeps on feeding her the idea that they might get together one day she's even, on the hook isn't she that's... exactly yeah even when he announces he's getting engaged to someone else in the office so she can't handle her life as it is at the moment so she swaps places with cameron diaz she f- suddenly finds herself in this incredible la wonderland and cameron diaz hilariously struggles down a country lane in her high heels in the snow to get to this tiny little cottage which she finds very quaint but a bit dull everything changes of course phil when two men appear in the lives of these women or three men in a way jude law mr handsome wonderful best dad in the world best guy in the world uh, turns up at cameron diaz's door and manages to convince her to stay jack black somehow ends up in kate winslet's life a super charming very friendly to be honest more a friend zone guy than anything else <laughs> uh, composer for hollywood movies turns up and romances kate winslet sort of and also this old guy who is a famous screenwriter that Kate Winslet ends up chatting to. And I think their conversation leads to the best line of the whole movie, which is where he says something like, you're telling me this story like you're the best friend. You're no best friend. You're the leading lady. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good little line. I'm okay with that. I'm not okay with pretty much everything else in the film. That's the only thing you like in the film. Well, what else is there like? Why don't you tell me? Oh, I like Mr. Napkinhead as well. When Jude Law is demonstrating that he is the perfect man. He's so perfect, he can even make fun of himself in a way that makes him look even better, where he puts a napkin on his head and glasses on and does miss a napkin head for his kid. Remember that? Yeah. Great little moment. Those two things are the best things in the film. Now, I don't think this is the best film ever, but you're going to make me defend it, which I feel slightly annoyed by. Well, that's by. what you volunteered for. I think there's some weirdly nice warmth to it, and it is a Christmas movie, so it is in that weird sort of bracket where you have... Two people basically living out a kind of fantasy, the idea of going to some random remote place. That turns out to be amazing. And yeah, like literally perfect. Like you go to some LA pad and it's got every single thing you'd ever want in a house. 
and then you happen to meet one of the most interesting people you could probably meet. Somebody who works in movies. I get, I know, and I think you're absolutely right. And he's say, very nice and charming. And yeah, then they yeah, like, yeah. he's just like, yeah, hang out with me, even though you've just met me. Let's become really good friends and hang out every day, which can't really happen in real life. And then similarly, you've got a lady who goes to like a cottage, which I don't think even exists in England. It's <laughs> no. covered in snow, which definitely doesn't happen in England. She then meets this beautiful, handsome stranger who's also super charming. And there's a reason for them to interact. And it's kind of a, it's a fantasy, isn't it? You've saved, you've saved yourself and you've redeemed a film in a certain way by describing it that way. Yeah, you're right. It's a fantasy. And, and in a way, what's wrong with that? Why not imagine this, even though we all know it's nonsense? Sometimes it's fun to imagine that. I don't dispute that film. The problem I have is I think at its heart, this film is dishonest. I think there's a real ugliness in this film that people don't want to see. Are you ready to hear some of this? Yeah. <laughs> I'm being provocative here. Let's ruin I'm the holiday for, for everyone I don't, I don't, listening. I don't, want to, I don't want to ruin it because I watched it. I watched it this Christmas with my wife. She liked it. I enjoyed it. I happily sat there. But I mean, Cameron Diaz's character is not sympathetic. She's meant to be because this guy cheats on her. And because that happens, you're supposed to forgive her everything. But I find every line that comes out of her mouth irritating beyond belief. But is that Cameron Diaz or the character? Both, Phil. I think the character is like that as well. I also think that Kate Winslet's character, as much as I love Kate Winslet, and I can't believe she's in this film. What's she doing in this film? Like Her character is dishonest as well. As in, it's presented to the audience in a dishonest way because everything that happens to her, and this is where I'm going to be hated, is her fault. <laughs> like, and yet you're sort of, you presented these two women as if they are your best friends. And you must sympathise with them in everything that they go through. And in a way, they don't, they don't have much agency. Everything around them is what changes their circumstances. And it, it, they sort of expect other people to solve their problems for them. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, and they're that, slightly that, help, helpless, even yeah, though well, they shouldn't yeah. be. Well, exactly. And I kind of think, well, no, both of these women uh, have the facility and the ability to change the situations that they're in, and yet they don't. They run away, and they expect everyone else to solve it for them. And luckily for, for them, as you've just pointed out, amazing, kind composer guy comes and helps that, and award-winning screenwriter comes and helps Kate Winslet out. And then Mr. Jude Law, who's the most perfect guy in the world, comes and sorts out Cameron Diaz. And that, there's something about that that just, just doesn't sit well with me. I don't... I don't like it. I don't like the characters. I, I find them annoying and I, I find them just a bit shallow. I, I, don't, I don't get it. It's like they're incapable of analysing themselves and seeing the problems they're in. But the thing is, man, is this is a, an absolute fan favourite for, I think, a lot of people out there. It's a fan favourite Christmas movie as well. Something about it must be hitting, hitting home in, a, in a more warm. than just an escapist fantasy. I think even the music is quite nice because it, it hits that right sort of mo mood and moment and atmosphere that quite a lot of films don't manage to do. Well, I think you can attribute that to Nancy Myers, who's director and writer, I think, in this case as well. And she's given us such films as Something's Gotta Give, which is really very good. Uh, I like that film a lot. I think version, I might want to review that in a few weeks. You should do, yeah. The new version of The Parent Trap, Father of the Bride. You know, she's a well-worn master of this kind of thing. So she knows how to put all her pieces in place to give it exactly the right mood. And as a mood piece, I think it does succeed very well. And you can kind of get transported into these romantic ideas. I just don't think, in terms of its actual themes and its script, I, I don't think it is a, a pretty film. I think there's things about it that are actually quite ugly. Dare I say that? I mean, we've talked about this already, Phil. Like Kate Winslet's patronising attitude to the old guy, who, and he just loves it. He laps it up. Yeah, it slightly bothers me that... I think she the reason why she gets involved in his life is because he can't walk across a road. And then she kind of thinks he's wonderful because he's old, not because of anything else. Yeah, and her just paying attention to him turns his life around. I mean, that, 
I just find that a bit annoying. It's like, who is Kate Winslet? Like to, anyway, that, sorry, I, I am going to be in trouble, Phil. <laughs> You're absolutely right. It just annoys me, um, the weaknesses of it really overpower it because they're so smothered in pretty wrapping paper and production that it's very hard to spot the problems. And I feel I have a personal chip on my shoulder because the minute I try to express this kind of thing, I think you can imagine the kind of argument that flies back in my face, which is more or less, oh, just can't you just let it go? It's just a fun film. Just let it go, all right? And like I, you know, there's something deep within me that you know I can't quite accept it. So there you go. I'm a pathetic person who can't enjoy a lovely film. That's the end of this, <laughs> Mr. Grumpy. <laughs> the thing which bothers me about this film, and I want to get it out while I'll, I'll use the protection of your anti this film yeah. to say my grievances with this film. Jack Black's hair. Why is it not like School of Rock hair, where he looks so much better? How does anyone think he looks better with this sort of weird curly afro it might hair. be just his natural hair there Phil well, nope don't think so it looks like a perm to me <laughs> I know he's funny in the film and he proves again Jack Black he can lift anything I think I think he's really talented I just <laughs> but again do you think he's Kate Winslet worthy no and no, no one does Phil everyone who watches this film realises that couple is never going to work out it's just not going to happen even Kate Winslet in the film her expressions you know she doesn't like she's not she into this guy <laughs> yeah exactly she does she thinks he's like, a, he's like a little dog who makes her feel better about herself this is kind of what I mean like these these two women what they find are people who tell them what they want to hear and the that's other, how that's how they're fine the other thing that annoys me as well is how cameron diaz says jude law's character name can you do an impression graham graham graham, graham. they for some reason americans really struggle with graham it makes it sound like a different almost cooler name do you know what i mean <laughs> graham as opposed to graham <laughs> i feel like you've got to i think if your wife hears this she's gonna be very upset I don't think she'll be upset. I think she'll just disagree with me and maybe punch me a bit. But (laughs) there we go. Maybe you deserve it. Anyway, so for me, the holiday gets a happy C. Such a happy C. A really jolly C. What a backpedal. Suddenly, as soon as as I mentioned Judith, you're like, oh, yeah, C, C, C. I still gave it a C. I just said it's a happy C. Okay. There we go, Phil. I've alienated most people with my final review. But well, you, now I think you were being a little bit provocative, weren't you? Of course, that's the point of the uh, of the podcast, listeners. In case you haven't guessed, sometimes we give you just really interesting reviews. Sometimes we give you over the top reviews to sometimes like you to poke to, the bear. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So get in touch. Tell me how wrong I am. I'd really love to hear that. Superbellybros at gmail.com, at superbellybros on Twitter. And as always, let us know if there are films you love us to have a go at let us know if you watch any of the films we talk about and you love them or disagree with us all that kind of stuff yeah love to hear from you guys but that is what we've been watching this week it is have a great week everyone we'll be with you again next friday and of course look out for monday's episode of the super bailey bros which has got we've got loads of films to do we've got more oscar films that we've been seeing and also we're going to be discussing the oscar nominations as well absolutely there we go thanks listeners bye thanks bye